88.3 WXOU Auburn Hills, Michigan You were tuned in to another edition of the Friday Night Groove with your host Roosevelt Belton Jr. also known as R.B.J. And tonight, we have another special episode, because I'll be featuring an exclusive interview with Tastemaker, radio host, DJ, and author, Chris Campbell of the Progressive Underground on 119-W-D-E-T. You'll be hearing that interview around the 20-minute mark, but for now, I'm going to open this program with a couple of my selections, starting with MTME from Marina Trench. Peace, thank you, and as always, stay tuned.
WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. Right now, I have the pleasure of introducing internationally renowned tastemaker, DJ, radio host, author, and journalist, Chris Campbell. As we are here to discuss the 10-year anniversary of his program, The Progressive Underground, broadcasted every Sunday night on 1019 WDET. Chris, thanks for being here. How are you, man? Hey, how's it going? It's great, great to be here. It's been a long time coming, so I, I'm just honored to just you know, be able to make this happen with you. And um, I just want to say, too, I've checked out the show. You're doing some great things, bro. Thank you, man. That means the world from coming from you, man. Thank you so much. Um, Chris, 10 years in radio. Um, journalist, author, DJ. But I think to start the story off, I think we'll kind of want to bring it back all the way back to your origins and the kind of garden neighborhood of Detroit. Um, th- this has been a location that's brought up names like Ant Fiddler, Jay Dilla, Omar S, Wajid, and yourself, you know, just to name a few. So as a former resident, you know, why has this place been such a beacon for Detroit and its music legacy? Well, Kona Gardens, along with, uh, you know, some of some of the other you know, classic neighborhoods like uh, Black Bottom in Detroit, you know, um, you just had people that uh, were grounded there that came up in Detroit's rich music and cultural mosaic. And so... Uh, Kona Gardens was an extension of Black Bottom. So, you know, you got people that, you know, they settled in Black Bottom, some expanded and moved out to Kona Gardens. And so we we uh, got the residuals of, of some of the great um, renaissance of talent that was going on. So, yeah, Kona Gardens definitely is a mecca when it comes to, you know, music and culture. And, you know, there have been so many people that have come out of that. Though. Some of the ones that you mentioned, Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence, uh, RJ, Rise of RJ's uh, latest arrival, and just many others just kind of came out of that. So it was definitely a, a hub of talent, an enclave of art and music and theater. 
And so that's that's the backdrop of uh, you know what I sort of grew up in. And you know, speaking of some of these ones, you know, I think of like Amp Fiddler. He lived several blocks over, and he was always like the the mayor of Coney Garden. And from a very very early age, I remember you know you know people going to his house in hopes of you know cutting uh, cutting a demo tape that they maybe shop to different record companies or him putting them on directly, whether it was through his label because he's you know he's had labels years. Or it was using him using his connections to hook up other people uh, so that they can get a deal. So yeah, yeah Kona Gardens was definitely the uh, definitely the start and, and laid the foundation from a music and artistic perspective of what would happen later on. And focusing, you know, how you um, played into that, um, you know, with significant accomplishments as a DJ, radio journalism and author, um, you know, just growing up then, like when when did you first start falling in love with music and thinking, you know, a career could be possible? Well, the music on the music tip, there, there were a couple of epiphanies that I had. Uh, one, you know, growing up in Detroit and in Coney Gardens around that time, the electrifying mojo was everything. So, to come home and at night just tune in to just the, the great variety of artists that he would play and introduce you to, because uh, he wasn't just, he was on an R&B station, but he didn't just play R&B. I mean, mojo would break out with classical music and uh, new wave, rock, hip hop was, you know, in its infancy at the time. So he'd break out with that, electro, techno in addition to the classic r&b and quiet storm and things like that so getting all of uh, those uh that musical stew that musical gumbo really everybody that was growing up around that time around music was influenced by mojo and then you had a different subsets of mojo you had a uh, nat morris who hosted uh, the scene dance show which was another uh, cultural institution that uh you know many people were influenced by i remember rushing home from school because you know scene came on at, at six o'clock so you, you rush home from school try to get the homework done you know, get off the bus get the homework done try to eat and then then plop right in front of the tv to watch um channel 62 matt morris in the scene and the scene would piggyback on what mojo was doing. mojo broke like prince to this area uh yeah morris day in the time uh, vanity six andre simone acts like that and so uh, Nat Morris would actually have them perform on his show, um, you know, so you know, that had some legendary broadcasts. And then he made celebrities of some of the local dancers that danced on the scene, too. So that was like a cultural infusion as well. So yeah, those two sort of, you know, just sort of playing out. And then I think my third major influence, especially in terms of music and radio, was Rosetta Hines from WJZZ. You know, you had all that going on and then you throw in just the... You had those evolving music genres and just rock the party and all that kind of going on. Then you had Rosetta introducing this refined palette of jazz and jazz fusion, a little deep house and things in there. And so all of those influences uh, 
sort of merging together uh, greatly influenced me. So anytime you went out of town and, um, you know, you're either DJing or, uh, you know, at a record store or whatever, your tastes would make you stand out. So people would be like, you're not from around here. You must be from like Detroit or something, you know, because you, you just have such a variety of music tastes. And that, that's how it was back in radio in Detroit at that time. It was such a beautiful beautiful experience because it's not like how radio is today with every the genre is really segmented okay if you want to listen to rock you got to go to the rock station if you want to listen to jazz you got to go to the jazz station but we don't even have any jazz too much in detroit outside of public radio but uh everything is just um marginalized put into a box and categorized whereas back in the golden age of radio in Detroit, uh, you had these DJs and tastemakers that would merge all these genres, and they these were hand-picked, hand-selected. So you got a little bit of a, you were able to develop sort of a taste and culture behind the music based on the selections and the genres that were merged together. So all of that uh, made growing up in Detroit around that time just uh, very rich from a cultural perspective. So when you took that culture elsewhere, whether it was maybe moving to another town or you know going out of town and performing or DJing or whatever, people that would make people stop and, and look at you, you know, in a good way. <laughs> just speaking of how that talent travels that taste and where it brings you um another significant part of your music development was your time in new york um so going from just one music hotbed to another like how did you initially get involved in that new york scene well a lot of people don't know i was actually uh involved in full-time minister activities back in the day. So that actually is what initially brought me to New York. Uh, as a full-time minister uh, and, uh, you know, put in a lot of time and community work, uh, like missionary status and things like that. So that initially brought me out to New York. And New York was just uh, amazing because, um, you know, in Detroit, we, we, from a music perspective, you had all these genres and music you were exposed to new york you could sort of see a lot of the music play out and just how people live i mean you had just a hodgepodge of the world residing in new york so you know you had a, a great uh, big uh, latino population and within the, the latino population um, puerto ricans dominicans uh, mexicans you know all different uh aspects and shades of um the Latin population, and you had Asian, the Asian population, who they all brought their different tastes and cultures there. And then, of course, um, you know, we as African Americans, we were a rich cultural mosaic as well, because um, in New York, you've got uh, 
Haitians, Jamaicans, or those from Bahamas and you know, Virgin Islands and things like that that settled in New York, and you know, black, white, and then just all these other various um, cultural groups, Irish, Italians. Um, so that rich musical culture that we came up on, it really made sense when you got to places like a New York, like a world city like New York. And um, so when I got into uh, the New York scene and yeah, I kind of did the missionary work for a while and then transitioned out of that and just got into uh, to get into the scene, DJing, um, writing for different uh, musical publications out that way and meeting a lot of acts. Uh, I DJed at this place called The Ark, which is a club inside the Brooklyn Bridge. And during that time, and this, we're talking about the 90s, this is the time that acid jazz was really blowing up. And uh, acid jazz really was uh, predominantly UK artists that they had a difficult time categorizing, you know. So UK artists like Omar, Jamiroquai, uh, well, this one was not a UK artist. She was here in the States, but they didn't know how to categorize her. Michelle and Gale Cello, you know, they didn't know what to call that music. It was progressive, it was melodic, but it wasn't, you know, kind of like how the stuff that was being played on the radio wasn't, you know, commercially, uh, it wasn't commercial, you know. So commercial radio around that time kind of got more into trends and fads. You know, things that went out of style not too long after that. But uh, this music was just mature, it was it was groovy, it, it was live instrumentation. You know, a lot of music at that time sort of re relied on electronics and, um, you know, computerized music and things like that, whereas this got back to, you know, just playing live. So they didn't know what to call it, so they called it acid jazz. So when I was DJing at the Ark, I would meet a lot of these acts, brand new heavies, uh, Miroquai, Michelle DiGiocello, uh, oh wow, who else? Well, there was a whole just grip of them, Young Disciples, Freestyle Foundation, all of them. And then, you know, New York had a progressive hip hop scene, which incorporated a lot of jazz. Now, I was a big jazz cat because WJZZ sort of trained me. So you had like groups like a tribe called Quest out there, uh, De La Soul. And then like Diggable Planets, they eventually moved to New York, settled in Brooklyn. And uh, so it was just a wonderful time uh, for music uh, during the 90s in New York. So I was able to kind of soak all that up, make some connections. And um, so when I eventually moved back to uh, Michigan in uh, 98, 99, early 2000s, uh, I sort of brought that with me and uh, started working in, you know, newspaper and, uh, you know, still working in print and everything. And uh, when I was at the newspaper, I started uh, putting together all these stories of all these artists that I've met and, uh, you know, trying to put narratives around the releases and just around their story because, you know, radio nor record companies knew what to do with these people, you know? So um, I just started uh, doing stories for the local newspapers and, um, some of those stories made it to print, some of them didn't. And uh, the ones that didn't, I just started, uh, okay, I still want to use, you know, find some kind of use for these stories. So then that's when I started putting together the book. And so that's when the, uh, the first Neo Soul book sort of took shape based around, you know, those acid jazz artists and the Neo Soul that sort of came out of that. 
and uh, that that was huge, and that kind of took me to my next phase, next step. WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. You just heard part one of my interview with Chris Campbell. Part two will be coming up after a quick commercial break. But until then, enjoy track heard many times on the Progressive Underground. And stay this way from the brand new heavies. WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. This is the Friday Night Groove with your host, Roosevelt Belton Jr. We'll be getting back to our interview with Chris Campbell. But for now, enjoy another progressive underground favorite and like you used to from Moody Man featuring Andres.
got room for you, don't hesitate And any time we share is no crowd Anytime I got it's your time. You know, really want me. Do you remember you used to scream for more? <laughs> Do you remember you used to come for more? You can forgive me. Do you remember when you crashed for more? You got to forgive me. Eight and a half is not enough anymore. You got to forgive me. You don't even call my name. Chris, I have to say, you know, you are a man who finds himself at the right place at the right time. Yes, yeah, so sometimes that's the universe, you know. They say sometimes uh, you can't really prepare for that, but just always being prepared and just ready to go. You never know when opportunity meets preparations. I think that's the key, the key to my life, you know. So, but uh, yeah, got uh, got into writing books uh, about the neo soul uh, genre. And ended up writing two of those books and had some good tours, especially that first book. Had a good tour with that. Was able to tour the country, um, various music festivals, and um, but even more importantly, made the radio station circuit. So I'd be like a, a guest uh, commentator on um, you know various shows. You know when I was promoting the book. And, and they had me on all the shows, uh, you know, all the different shows of the hosts, you know, everyone from Andalisi to Nick Austin. And finally, they were like, you know, we've had you kind of come up in here quite often. Would you like to have a show? You ever thought about that? And uh, I was like, well, you know, I'll give it some thought. I give it some thought. So we kind of circled each other for a few months after that. And then it just kind of happened. They were like, hey, let's let's do a show. Did you think you can come up with a format and a concept around those books that could work around a show? And I said, well, yeah, yeah, we could. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, 10 years ago, we launched the uh, Progressive Underground. Day four, the belly flutters. Day five, the soft sweet as apple butter kisses. Day six, this is crazy the way he makes me feel, girl. Day seven, my world is yours. Whose world is this? It's his. Do you remember the sweet surrender? Do you remember that sweet surrender? Chris, um, speaking of just that, you know, getting that opportunity, 10 years in, you know, countless interviews, music play, listeners. Um, when you first got that opportunity, what were your expectations and then how did those expectations change as the show began to grow yeah, you know i really didn't go into it with any expectations i just said well let's try it out <laughs> i like to set the bar real low <laughs> so that way you know you can't really trip over a low bar and fall too bad you know? 
Yeah, crash and burn too bad. Yeah, just uh, kind of just just try to have tempered and you know realistic expectations. I just wanted to sort of get through a few shows and see how it sounded, and uh, I was thankful that Detroit seemed to really take to it because uh, you know at the time there was no one playing like house music on the radio. You know, house music was a big part of my upbringing. Mojo, and then of course you know festivals, groups like Sharivari, and you know things like that. They they uh, championed uh, you know house music, and then you know, of course neo soul. You know that wasn't really being played a lot on the radio. So there were people, you know, people that were music heads that really took to the show, and uh, so we sort of did that for a few months. And it was um, it was about maybe uh, six months or so before I started doing interviews. I just kind of wanted to get my feet wet show and kind of getting the music out there but uh, the demand became pretty pretty uh pretty good so i started having in studio guests and things like that and that went over real well it seems like the interviews that we would do sort of in the middle of the show would be part of the really the highest rated part of the show when we really started getting a good groove and doing those interviews so we've had everyone on from uh jody watley to Juan Atkins to Vanessa Dow to uh, the Nubians and everybody else in between. And we've had probably uh, maybe 200 guests over the years, you know, on the show. And uh, it's gone over pretty well. And, you know, some of the new and emerging acts that we've uh, had on there have kind of gone on to, you know, greater fame and greater success and have used that as a stepping stone into other things. While there have been maybe other established acts that, you know, we're looking to maybe kind of redirect um, redirect their uh, creativity and their sound. I know one that really comes to mind, Jody Watley, she decided to change up her sound one year and make it more of a deep house kind of thing. So she went from dance to deep house, which was like almost un- unheard of. You know, she was really into commercial the commercial side of radio but she never really liked the commercial side of radio you know she really liked to really spread her wings and get creative with the music but you know her record labels too got to the point where they couldn't didn't appreciate or took that for granted what she was doing with her music so um, my show kind of picked up on a lot of her stuff and to me a lot of her greatest creations have been uh post 2000 you know um she got with like Ron Trent or a Mark Big Clive Lowe and started, you know, putting these deep house vibes into her music. So she really, um, she really appreciated um, us really taking a look at her more modern side of, of her music. And I know in the interview, you know, she she got so tired of other people asking her about like her Shalimar and you know the the '80s, and she thought I was going to do. So she was a little reticent about the interview, but then when I I just skipped over all that and just went right to the stuff that she's doing now, and she really put that really opened up. And we've even had a great relationship since then. So, so yeah, so the show's been just a revelation. It's been a blessing. I really felt kind of honored and humbled to be able to kind of use it as a sounding board and a platform for a lot of artists to get their music out there, but also get wherever they're at in their evolutionary stage of development. The show tends to capture that and sort of put it out there as well. So it's been great.
one thing I did want to touch on is that within the last year or two, you've made you know significant efforts on your program to do retrospectives on artists like, you know, we mentioned Ann Fiddler, Divinity was another one, and you know, Thea Parrish. And I believe it was last year you had your, this is outside of the show, but your event with the scene. Um, so lately, just as a radio host, author and music and music fan when it comes to having platforms like these um how much emphasis do you put on just being making sure that these scenes these artists these movements are just properly documented and you know credited especially given how fast you know scenes and artists can just you know move on and evolve uh, one thing that I think that COVID uh, taught us was really to um, give people their flowers while they're still with us, you know. And so it was with that sensibility and that spirit that uh, I kind of started doing these segments, five on fives, which sort of kind of gives you a gateway into an artist's discography or, or what their vibe is musically and their history. And also this uh, other segment called Liner Notes, where we kind of take a, an album that has really had an impact um, on a particular genre or a certain time period or a group of people and really just break it down and kind of give its impact and uh, its, out, it, its enduring and outstanding legacy. So, yeah, COVID, um, COVID's been tough because, um, you know, we lost a lot of, we lost a lot of artists, we lost a lot of a lot of legends, a lot of icons. And what I took from that is that, you know, um, you never know what tomorrow will bring. Tomorrow is not promised. So while we're here and while they're here, let's, let's give these artists their flowers and just show them how much they're loved and appreciated. So yeah, that kind of motivated me to sort of start doing a lot of those um, those five on five segments and and they've kind of gone over well too because it, it uh you know for people that may not be familiar with an artist uh you can get basically your a, a formal introduction uh, to an artist and their history and their impact and then the five songs that best capture their essence you know so people seem to really you know really dig it so i'm, I'm really proud of that thank you Craig. i mean obviously thank you um that i think that's a tremendous you know community service when it just comes to just music in general so for that i thank you or we thank you all right chris um you know you said and you've given so much and i want to end you end with this last question um so you mentioned you know the electrify mojo wjzz and how much those have been you know an influence on you today um but what do you make of the way that this program has been able to both carry on that legacy and also carve out an identity for, you know, just another generation of music lovers? Well, um, you know, I my show would not be around without all those people that you mentioned. So um, it definitely honors them, just even the way it's set up, uh, even the, the way the show is introduced, you know, has this countdown and kind of spacey vibe and intro. That's Bojo. <laughs> Uh, some of the uh, the acts and just the way we interact during the show. That's Rosetta. That's Rosetta. Um, and then just trying to get the history, uh, you know, behind a lot of these acts and really 
put a context behind the artist and their work, that's Nat Morris, you know? So all of these influences have you know, taken, you know, something from each influence, some superlative aspect of what they do, sort of put it into what I do. And uh, I think when people listen to the show, they can see the DNA, they can sort of trace the DNA. And I, I think that deepens people's appreciation for it. You know? I'm just thankful that they're even tuning in and, and listening. And I think that, I think some of that keeps them kind of coming back, you know, especially over the years. And, um, you know, to be on in radio, you know, radio is so transitory. I mean, to be on longer than a couple of years is you're doing great, you know. So 10 years, that, that's, I, I really um, want to thank not only the influences that influenced me, but also just, um, you know, Detroit listeners and, you know, and out of town listeners that have also supported the show, um, you know, they've kind of, you know, said things or, or sent um, correspondences and things like that that have really been, you know, it's really been thoughtful and uplifting. So it makes you feel good at um, being able to sort of document you know, Detroit's musical history through the show and kind of put uh, some context and narrative around it. And uh, people seem to really like it. And um, I think when I first came on, somebody had compared it to Electrify Mojo, and I was like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but I mean, it does have the spirit of what, you know, Mojo tried to do. I don't think I'm going to break for him. <laughs> but, um, but we definitely, you can trace the strands of DNA. And I think when people do, you know, music heads really, really dig it. So, um, I just want to thank Detroit and anybody watching this. Uh, you know, thank you for you know supporting you know these ten years and um, you know keep trying to make it do what it do. Chris, that much is true. That much is true. Um, so just me personally, I want to thank you, Chris, for ten years. Um, I don't know if I'd be doing this if it weren't for you. And I know a lot of people can say they won't be doing what they were doing if it weren't for you. So. Here are your flowers, Chris. Enjoy them. Enjoy them. You've earned them. You've earned them. Ten years, man. We appreciate you. Thank you. And uh, thank you for all you do. You're definitely carrying on the torch. And, uh, you know, a lot of people may not know you. I mean, you've done a lot of stuff for the Progressive Underground, too. You know, and, and handling the board and helping the engineer and just visioneer the show. <laughs> so major props to you as well you, you have that dna in you i i see i see the strands as well in you the, the force is strong in you young one force is strong <laughs> i need no other endorsement chris thank you um i think you've said enough last words so you know thank you again chris if people will hear this they want to keep up with you how can they follow you uh, they can go to, um, of course, you know, Facebook, it's the Progressive Underground, Chris Campbell, uh, Instagram, Cambio, C-A-M-B-E-A-U-X. And then uh, very shortly, there'll be a website, chriscampbell.tv. Kind of track my whereabouts as well, because we're expanding a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, yep. just follow the music and the music will find me. Perfect, perfect. Chris, thank you, and just all the best with, with, with every got plan going forward. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, good brother.
control your skin, your flowers moving closer for me to see now. It's simple, complex. 88.3 WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. That was my interview with Chris Campbell of the Progressive Underground on 1019 WDET. I want to thank Chris again for an excellent interview and everything he's done for radio. If you'd like to hear tonight, you can hear it again on Friday nightgroove.com. So, peace, thank you, and enjoy as we end the program with Jadine Veda and soul-sized love.
living for.